I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Folks, it's a historic day. This is the 20th episode of Biscuits. No one thought we'd get more than five. They said it's never going to work. A Canadian, an American, never in the same room together for anything they ever do. But we found a way. So thank you for that. Thank you for supporting Biscuits and leaving very nice five-star ratings and retweeting us and always see seeing Vice Sports on the nice comments because it's, it's important that they see it because if we see it, I mean, we know we're great, but... Um, maybe others don't. Uh, I am Dave Lozo, of course, of Vice Sports and many other publications. And my buddy is in the background in a very windy setting, perhaps. I can't tell. I am uh, up here in Ottawa. And it's not windy, but there is a plane flying directly overhead. Because ah, there it is. to the airport. So that's what you're hearing. And my name uh, is Sean, by the way. Hi, Sean. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Hey, Sean. How's, 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 your, how's your bracket? Is your, is your bracket that you didn't do doing any better this week? Uh, it's it's flawless so far. Haven't haven't had a single wrong pick. Good for you, man. That's that's that must be nice to not have your bracket. It's better than, it's better to have not bracketed at all than to have your bracket die on the third day of the tournament and never you never have to care about it again. I am supposed to be an expert on the NHL, and my pick for the finals this year, which was published <laughs> on Sportsnet like under their expert picks with like Elliot Friedman and CJ and everyone else, I picked. Dallas and Tampa in the Stanley Cup final, and they're both going to miss the playoffs. So I don't, I don't think I want any part of a sport that I literally know nothing about. There was one year, like I'd be worried I'd do significantly better. There was one year I did that. It was at NHL. I was still at the NHL. I had Buffalo versus somebody, and it was the year Buffalo. It was, I think, it was the year after the U.S. Olympic team lost in Vancouver, and I was like, Ryan Miller, Ryan Miller is going to carry the Buffalo Sabers to this. Down. And then they, they, it was, it wasn't even like this year with Tampa, where like Buffalo was a huge favorite, and then they just had a bad season. Like it was just a stupid pick, and I think that still lives on the internet somewhere. So I'm, none of us know what we're doing really, if we're being honest here. I was waiting for you to come in and say that you're wrong, Dave. You're very smart and you know what you're doing, but it just never happened. That Not is. at all. No, I was just that was just me silently nodding. <laughs> you know the way you're supposed to do on a podcast. <laughs> lots, of, lots of nodding, lots of hand signals. Yeah, I've, I've been doing the jerk off signal in my hand for the past like six minutes. So <laughs> don't worry about it. No one, no one knows. No one knows what's going on. Speaking of no, speaking of no one knows what's going on, I could segue into like any of like five topics based on that. The Olympics, Dean Lombardi. I don't know. Where do you want to begin today? Where should we where let's, should we take the listeners to on this journey today? Let's let's work our way up. Let's start with where, let's start with what the standings look like today cuz they've mm-hmm. when we did our last show, we recorded it last Thursday. And at the time that we recorded that show, the Maple Leafs were about to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa. The Lightning were 1 point up for the last playoff spot with one and the Leafs had one game in hand. And we're sitting here one week later. The 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 Leafs not only won that game, but since then, the Lightning have lost three straight, and the Leafs have won three of four and got seven of eight points and basically gained seven points on the team they were chasing in one week. And they play the Devils tonight too, so it's going to be it's going to be yeah. nine points in ten games. Nine Quite possibly. And so, yeah, I mean, coming off. They got a point against the Blackhawks. They got they they beat the the Blue Jackets. They beat the Bruins, who had been sort of hot 
up until then. Like it kind of looks like the Maple Leafs are going to the playoffs. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get too confident. No, the Islanders are still just three points back. Oh man. See, see, wait, 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 wait. If if they were your favorite team, you you would totally be like they wrapped it up last night, right? You that's that's what you'd be saying right now. No. Come on. No Come way. On. No, Come I'm on. not that type of fan. I don't. I, I'm I'm not the overconfident. I'm the like I'm afraid to say good things because I have a feeling that this is going to and and like let's let's be honest if there's going to be one team that's going <laughs> to collapse down the stretch and have a horrible finish that costs them everything like the the Leafs are going to be that team they've done that most years out of the last the last four or five so it it wouldn't be out of character but I yeah right I'll now say it. I'll, I'll it, say it I'll say it I'll say, say it. it they've clinched it's over the Islanders Tampa they're not going to catch them at worst they're going to be the wild card they'll probably finish third because they're that good of a team there that's it. It's in the bag. Done. Wow. Continue on. Continue on with your objective analysis. I don't know if I'm quite quite ready for that, but it, it is it is looking good for not only are they three points up on the Islanders, they're six points up on the on the Lightning, who I don't want to completely write off, but I'll just say that our our discussion last week about Steve Eiserman's trade deadline probably yeah. is is looking better and better in, in hindsight because it doesn't look like they're gonna make it. The other thing from if if you're a if you're a Leafs fan, they've passed the Bruins as of last night. So that means they're now the, you know, the Islanders are chasing two teams. Which means if you're the Leafs, it, I mean even if even if the Islanders go crazy hot, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're out because maybe they end up knocking out the Bruins who I just like literally 4 days ago wrote a piece about how they were the sneaky underdog team that nobody was paying attention to and they rewarded me by losing <laughs> like three straight games and i've got i've gotten like all sorts of emails from boston fans accusing me of intentionally reverse jinxing them but Cla- i would classic sean classic sean with the, with the reverse jinx to help out his favorite team because that's how I that's how it works that. i would never works. do that that's not that's not my concept i wouldn't i wouldn't take see that. this is this is why the leafs are in because if not for the bruins I would say, yeah, you got to worry. But I think at this point of the season, Bruins have nine games left. Toronto is 10. The Leafs are going to finish ahead of the Bruins at this point. It's a one-point difference with nine games to go. It's a lock. Just put a little Y next to Toronto. It's in or next or whatever whatever the symbol is on your, on, your, on your website that you choose to look at. They're too good. They're a positive goal differential team. They've got the goaltending now. You know, Jonathan Bernier and James Reimer aren't going to tank down the stretch. You've, you've got, you've got Freddie. You've got you've got great young players that are that are carrying the load. Boston's Boston was kind of due for this. Boston was kind of playing over their heads with good old Bruce Cassidy there. And now and now the Islanders uh, the Islanders last night looked like they were done with twenty minutes to go. So they're they're kind of there. But I think it's I, I think we can finally say it. The Toronto Maple Leafs the rebuild is over. They are a Stanley Cup <laughs> contender. Let's hang the mission accomplished banner. At the ACC. <laughs> what's What's interesting about the Leafs is if you look at their schedule the rest of the way. They've got a stretch, the next five or six games. I don't have it in front of me, but I think their next five or six are not super tough games. Like, I think they play four or five of those six against teams that are outside the playoffs. Now, a couple of those are in Buffalo, and like that's one of those matchups where the standings don't matter. The, the Sabres are always trouble for the Leafs every time they go into to Buffalo. So it's not maybe not quite as good as it looks on paper, but they've got those games where they should be able to bank points. And then they finish with four brutal games. They've got a four game home stretch and they play Washington, Pittsburgh and Columbus in that four plus Tampa. So it's, it's kind of one of these things where it's like they could start to pull away and they probably need to pull away because if they're still one point up with four games left, it, it might get a little bit iffy unless you know, all those those good teams are all, you know, trying to tank to get better matchups because of the weird playoff format. Let me pose this question to you because all year long I've been touting this man for the, the Jack Adams because I feel like he deserves it. I think he kind of gets taken for granted. But if you're not smart enough to put a guy in the penalty box throwing a five-minute penalty and it turns into a seven-and-a-half-minute major should you be disqualified from Jack Adams voting if you're Mike Babcock? This was so this was so great. I was so excited when that happened because <laughs> I've written a couple of columns over the years of like like I love obscure weird sections of the rule book and I love that there's stuff in there that that people 
don't know and in some cases has has never or very rarely ever come up and i wrote like a couple years ago i wrote about that the the fact that the the rule book very specifically states that if a player gets a five minute major that they can't serve which would typically would be the case if they've been ejected and you need we all know you need to put someone in the penalty box for that guy you don't actually have to do it at the beginning of the penalty you can do it later on uh as it gets closer to expiring uh which is what the maple leafs did last night so wednesday night against columbus uh the problem with this strategy is if there isn't a whistle during the five minute major you're screwed because you don't have anyone to come out of the penalty box and you're not like it's not like someone can jump off the bench they have to come out of the penalty box and so what happened in the leafs game was they got a five-minute major. Roman Pollock got kicked out of the game for boarding. They didn't put anyone in the box. They killed the penalty, but the penalty went five minutes without a whistle. They were left with nobody to come out of the penalty box, and they ended up having to kill almost another two minutes of five-on-four uh, because they were because they were locked in there. And it was you know it's it's funny now because Columbus never scored, and so it didn't really impact the game, and, and the Leafs went on and won. Uh, but I mean, if Columbus had scored during that extra two minutes and that it turned out to be the turning point and then the Leafs missed the playoffs by a point, I, I mean, you would never hear the end of this. And I, I like, I'm still not sure, like, is that, is that a dumb move by Mike Babcock or did he just gamble and get burned? Like, it's not like he forgot to put someone in. I think he forgot. I, like nah. I read, I, I read, I read a quote last night where he was like, "Whoops, my bad." Like it, it didn't seem like yeah. I don't know. Maybe there was more to the quote, and I didn't. see I don't it. see like, how but... you would forget. Like it did happen a, a couple years ago. I want to say Islanders Coyotes. They had a game where a guy, same situation, guy got a major and got kicked out with like a minute left in a period. And when they came back for the next period, they forgot to put someone in the box. Like they, they just it, they forgot they had to send someone over. I don't know how you forget at the moment. Like they, they just like they got the penalty and they didn't put anyone in there. And I think it was more a case where there's there's there there all that there was all that yelling. Like Torts was flipping out, so I can see like how maybe in the heat of it you just kind of because I mean the, the Leafs have guys they can stick in the box. It's not like they use all their forwards. Well, to, to they penalties. they don't. I think that like from a strategy standpoint, if yeah, obviously you don't want to put anyone in there who's going to be a penalty killer because you got five minutes to kill. And the other piece of it is you know like. You could put a guy who, like an offensive first guy who never kills penalties in there. Like, you know, you, you throw like a Mitch Marner in the penalty box. Why not? Yeah, but the yeah. problem is, what happens then if you get, as so often happens, you get the makeup call. Now you're four on four and you don't have one of your best offensive players available because mm. you've locked him in. Because once you put the guy in the penalty box, he can't come, you can't switch or anything like that. So I I think it was just one of these things where it's like, what are the odds that we're going to go five straight minutes without a whistle? Uh, and then and then it ends up happening. But the other thing, if, if people didn't see it, uh, the, the other beautiful thing about it is, and, and again, I know this only because I wrote about this rule. According to the rule book, if this exact situation happens, the moment the penalty expires, you are technically no longer shorthanded. Even though it's five on four, even though you got one fewer player, you, you're not shorthanded, which means the icing rules come back into effect, which is good news if you're the team that's down 5-4, because at that point, you'll take an right. icing. You'll shoot right. it down the... Let's get a stoppage. I, I don't actually know if, if you can put a fifth player back on at that point, but at the very least, you, you get someone in the box, they can jump on. Like you're. So what happened was the Leafs kept trying to ice the puck, but the Blue Jackets, or at least you know the, the Blue Jackets goaltender somehow or somebody understood what was going on. And every time they try to ice it, he would come out of the crease by a few steps to wave off the icing. Uh, I was going to say, that's smart, yeah. Which is why it kept going and going. Like, it was it was just the... And it was funny. I don't know if, uh, you know, what was it like on the Columbus broadcast, but up here on the Canadian, uh, the Canadian broadcast, like, it took them about a minute into it to realize that, like, nobody had jumped onto the ice. And, and you know, then, then they figured it out. But it was kind of one of those things where, as a fan, you're watching it going... Hold it, wait a second. The clock what? isn't there anymore. What's why? Yeah, why is the clock is like four? you know, and not only is the clock, but they made a big deal. Like it's a five minute major. So when as the clock ticked down, they made you know, yeah, they've killed it off. This is a big turning point. And then you're like, one, two, three. Like where's our fifth guy? Is he like did he go off for a change? Did somebody break a stick? 
do we not like what did the guy not come out of the penalty box what and then it was like oh no <laughs> this must be what's happened and we're we're kind of potentially screwed here and like i say it's it's funny now because it didn't ultimately have any consequences but it it that could have been like that that could have been a turning point and it would man that would have been funny it would have it, been I mean, it would, not not to me as a leafs fan but to everybody else that would have been the funniest thing that had ever happened See, I was hoping that game was in Toronto because I would have loved to have seen, like, you know, the goalie, you know, whacking his stick on the ice. The crowd rises to its feet as the clock, as the as the power play expires, and they're just like, "Wait, wait a second, yeah, no, no." March twenty second, two thousand seventeen. Mark it down. It was the night John Tortorella became a better coach than Mike Babcock. Wow. Yep. Never thought it would happen, but it's been a really weird season. Maybe he rubbed the genie lamp during the World Cup. The genie's like, "Let me guess." You want Team USA to beat Team Canada? And he was like, no. How about we get completely destroyed, but in a meaningless late-season game for my team, I want Mike Babcock to give me an extra two minutes of uh, power. Or maybe that was the payback. Wait a second. Maybe John Tortorella was like a double agent working from the inside, took down uh, Team USA, and this, yeah. this was the payback. I'm not saying that's definitely true. No, that is. I'm just saying yeah. I don't know for a fact that it's not true. No, I think we can report that here. First, first reported, must credit biscuits, a hockey podcast. Yeah. John Tortorella took down the U.S. team from the inside on behalf. We had of the Canada. top one hundred in advance. <laughs> we had Garth Snow's ten year contract in advance. We had, we, had, this. we had we had Joe Sakic not doing anything at the trade deadline. We had it all. This is I feel like re- maybe we're we might be too close to the truth on this. If we're never heard from again, <laughs> now everybody knows why. This is this is what happens. Is, is this podcast got too big? Close to Tortorella, the truth. we got a little too close, and we had to be silent. You, you be Scully. I'll be uh, no. I'll be Scully. You be Mulder. Yeah, okay. you're more Mulder. I'm Scully. I'm more. I'm, I'm more fair skinned and and vivacious. I would say. Um, speaking of things that are stupid, <laughs> how how do we do this every every four years with the Olympics? Like how how do we keep doing this? Where the thing that really bugged the crap out of me about the Olympics this week was, or I guess it was maybe last week at this point. We, we, we've been in the same holding pattern for two months. We're not going. It's not good for the NHL. We don't get anything out of it. Don't don't think it's going to happen. Don't not the IOC is not budging. The IH all these all these you know acronyms aren't doing the stuff the NHL wants. And then like on Friday maybe or maybe it was Monday this week. I I lose track of the days around the NCAA tournament because of all the drinking and the gambling. But somebody tweeted a thing and it said breaking in all caps. Gary Bettman says not likely going to the Olympics. Yeah, no shit. He's been saying this for two months. Like He's on top been saying of that, it right for yeah. years. But like, it just bothers me that like people are so desperate for like Olympics news. This one guy is trying to make this seem like breaking news when it's not. And on top of that, again, this goes back to a thing I've said a million times. Like maybe you have to constantly give context when Gary Bettman says stuff. You can't just quote him blindly because this is what he does. He's just. He's just he's just taking a stance through the media like it's a, it's a negotiation yeah. play and they're gonna go they're going to go see heard I've said that all year long but I'm I'm honestly starting to wonder because they're oh he got to you well oh. because here's the, like Ellie Friedman wrote a thing where he mentioned he said you know look in two thousand for the two thousand fourteen games they didn't announce they were going until after the two thousand thirteen season. Right. And he had mentioned that a few times, as if to say, like, you know, everybody settle down. There's still time. But apparently somebody told him that, yeah, we didn't announce it, but we had, we had the deal in place by February. And this time around, yeah. they don't have the deal. And, and you know, obviously this time the, the, the difference more so than in, in some of the past years is, you know, the time zones. Like with the, with the 2018 being in Korea, it's games are going to be on overnight and, you know, at, at inconvenient times you're not going to get the same sort of tv boost that you did i'm starting to wonder if you know these owners are really going to be so far up their own behinds that they once again forget that they're in the entertainment business and once again forget that you know well there's nothing in it for us other than all of our customers being happy (laughs) um and employees i just and, and here's here's the thing though like i and and I hate this because I I really enjoy the Olympics and and you know obviously I'm as a Canadian I'm I enjoy them more than you do, but wow. I, I well, like I well, like well done well done 
I like having the NHL players in the Olympics. It's been great for the last, you know, nearly 20 years. But this is starting to get me to the point where I'm like, you know what? Then don't go. But just enough. Enough with the back and forth. Enough because the NHL has made it clear. Like, let's let's not forget. A few months ago, the NHL went to the NHLPA and said, we'll go to the Olympics if you extend the CBA. Right. So right. don't don't tell me, first of all, don't tell me that you can't go to the Olympics because you, you're clearly willing to. It's just a question of what, you know, th- this is this is classic NHL. They refuse to do anything without putting their hand out and saying, what do, what do we get out of it? Also, you know, everyone should file that away because we're only three years away from the next lockout when Gary Bettman is going to stand in front of you and tell you how awful the CBA is and how it just doesn't work for the teams and... We need to go from, you know, the players need to go from 50% down to 45% and contracts need to go from eight years down to five years and, you know, this and that. Never forget that the NHL asked the players to extend the CBA. That's, you know, that really doesn't have much to do with the Olympics, but just file that away if you're a hockey fan for three years from now when they lie to you and tell you that the CBA doesn't work for them. They tried to get it extended in order to go to the Olympics. And the players said no, and rightfully so. Like the, the players shouldn't have to give up something uh, just to get the NHL to do what it should be doing in the first place. But the quote this week from Bettman, like you, you kind of you have to parse him, right? Like he didn't say we're not going. He said fans should assume that we're not going to go, which is not the same as saying you're not going to go. Right. That's just, it's it's just this this whole you know messaging and this and that. And, you know, I feel like the end game here for the NHL and the owners is they want to run out the clock. They want to say, we ran out of time. We can't go to 2018, but they still want to go to 2022 because that that's in China, which is a big market that all pro sports leagues are trying to tap into. And it would be silly for the NHL not to send their best players over. And I would really like to see the IOC at this point, just go to the NHL and say, look, either tell us you're, you're going to 2018 or don't bother to with 2022. Like do them both or do neither, but don't don't run out the clock on 2018 and then expect to be welcomed back with open arms four years after that. So we are without seeing the clock. Uh, 22 minutes into this podcast, so we've 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 said the standings suck, the Olympics suck, uh, the CBA is going to result in another lockout. Should we should we start telling people that their parents are going to die someday? Like what, what what's what's the next what's what's the next topic to make people's days just completely devastated boy there's there's got well i mean i i feel like we could <laughs> like we could go after specific fans. like we could talk about the la kings and make kings fans really sad but kings fans are probably already really sad i think they know i think they know at this point i can't i'm, I'm stunned i can't believe the kings aren't going to make the playoffs i i really thought and, and i did this two years ago it's the exact same thing i fell for it but eight points back 10 games left to play it's over. I think it's got to be over. They were like two points back the whole time, or like four points back that that year when they when they lost the Edmonton game at Edmonton. And up until then, I was like, yes. But now, you know, they have ten games left. I like at the beginning of the season when they lost John Quick. I was like, you know what? I don't love John Quick, but if you're going to rock with Peter Budai and Jeff Zatkoff for four months, you're probably screwed. But they weren't. They had like a top five you know goals against average as a team for the four months he was out and john quick's come back and he's been like at 922 in in three weeks he's been really really good and yet they've had injuries and stuff but it's just you know andre kopitar can't score to foley's been out pearson's been good but like yeah like do they miss milan lucic is that how bad things are at this point where they 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 look back and they're like man we should have given milan lucic 49 million dollars and figured out a way to make it work because i really hope not like they're they're just too much talent to be done with 10 games to go like I, i don't know who to blame i really don't like maybe Dean Lombardi is the usual guy since we could bring it back to Team USA. I don't yeah. know. I mean, we talked about it last week. The, the like the trade deadline, not you know, not so much who he brought in, but the opportunity cost of not addressing the issues up front and instead bringing in a goaltender who, you know, I I, I, I see where the logic was, but that that move clearly didn't work. And I don't know what what if you're Dean Lombardi or you're whoever replaces Dean Lombardi what do you do to fix this is it like what's the plan to get is there a plan or is this are we looking at a very good team for a very long time and now the window's closed and and now you gotta suffer the the pain of uh of of 
winning two Stanley Cups and being a contender for for five or six straight years. But then again, were they a really good team for a long time? Like they won the cup as an eighth seed. Then two years later, they won it again as a good team. But I mean, I, were th- I think they were. I don't know. They were a notch below the Blackhawks, but I I think they were a very good team for most of those years. I feel like we might have gotten duped. I feel like I feel like we we like the the Kings' reputation for the most part was built on that 2012 playoff run. Like John Quick was at 940. Drew Doughty tournament. Drew Doughty quote unquote. But it's like like look at their years. So. 09-10, they were a 101-point team. Then they were a 98-point team. Then they were a 95-point team. Then they had 59 points in 48 games in the lockout year. Went to the conference finals. That doesn't matter. It's a lockout year. 100 points in 2014, and now they've... Uh, I guess they had 102 points. I, I, I don't know. I... I, I like maybe they were just maybe they were good, but they just weren't as good this as your, we this thought. This is your Eli Manning theory again from last week that they're, yeah. they're basically the giants of... Yeah, I mean... I I feel like because even even the years that they weren't up high in the standings, they were always the team that like all the smart people were like, look out for the Kings, they're going to be the team to watch. Like I feel like they were an eight seed that won the Stanley Cup and yet didn't really like it didn't feel like an upset run. And remember that that year, they just they crushed everyone. I mean they, I think they lost. They got to three wins in the Cup final. I think they had only lost three games the entire playoffs, and then, then no, it was the two. They were they were yeah, something, they were twelve yeah. and two. They were fifteen and two at one point, and then the yeah, Devils won two games. So, and, so I mean, that's yeah. yeah. I, I think they they were a good team, but I don't like you look at them now. I mean, Jeff Carter's like the only the only forward having a decent year. He's thirty two. Kopitar just got that huge new contract. You know, Dustin Brown's contract is never like that is one of the worst in the league. Oof. Like this isn't this isn't a way it's it's shaping up to maybe be kind of like a Detroit situation where you can't just say, okay, rebuild, ship out the veterans, but like you you can't. You're locked into some of these guys for so long, and that's you know that's why I say it's it's kind of like there there's a price when you start giving guys eight or ten year contracts, you're doing it on the assumption that you're going to get four or five good years. And then the second half there's there's going to be some pain. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. Like next year they have, they've got about, they've got almost 60 million bucks tied up in, in 16 guys and say the cap stays flat at 73. They got to pay to Foley. They got to pay to Pearson. They got a couple other RFAs, but I mean, nothing really massive. So they're going to have, depending on what those guys get, they're going to have, seven million dollars to fill out the roster essentially with on top of what they have now so it's just they're, they're it's weird their core is all 29 32 32 35 and they're they're locked in for they're lo- all, those four guys are locked in to, to at least 2021 mm-hmm. so Anze kopitar 10 million bucks dustin brown's 5.8 jeff carter 5.2 gabrick 4.8 and also alec martinez at four million i what I just gave you, those are players and their cap hits in 2021, four seasons away. And the youngest guys are Kopitar and Martinez yeah. at 29. Everyone yeah, else I mean, is Jeff Carter's going to be 37 at that, 36 <sighs> to 37 at that point. Dustin Brown is done now. Marin Gabryk might be done now. You know, like, it, it's not like you're going to turn around and trade him. I mean, maybe... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Maybe you can do something with the expansion draft. Like I don't think the the Knights are going to want one of these guys. But I, you know, do you go to George McPhee and say, "What does it take for you to take Dustin Brown off our hands?" And you know, I I don't know. Uh, like that, I think I could see that. I could see Dustin Brown going in that sort of situation because at some point, I mean, like the the Vegas team can't just take a bunch of dudes that are making nine twenty five next year. They gotta they gotta no, get to the but floor. But they'll take guys who are making five or six this year and next year. They're not going to take guys making it through. Yeah, two thousand twenty two. I mean, the the one I guess the one piece of good news if you're a Kings fan is they've got 
pretty much all their picks for the next few years, which is has been rare because they they were one of the more aggressive teams at moving first round picks, and and they haven't done that. So, but it, you you might you might lose some of those picks. I, I don't know. I, I mean, to to move guys, if I'm you know if I'm George McPhee, I'm almost you know you know do I take a a Gabrick or, or somebody like that? Like I want. I, I might even try to pull the Sam Pollock and say, I want some future picks. I don't want your 2018 first round pick. I want 2020 because I'm going to roll the dice a little bit on what the trajectory of this team might be. And, and I might get, I might get a, a nice high pick in a few years when they're full on rebuilding mode. You know, what's funny is this team has nine guys signed through 2020 and none of them are Drew Doughty. <laughs> Drew, yeah. Doughty's, Drew Doughty's contract's up in 2019. Like, what's he going to do? In tw- like, say, like, right, like at that point, the team might be so old. Drew Doughty's going to be, I guess, 29 or 30 at that point. He's still going to have a lot of a lot of years left. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw him 12 million at that point, depending on where the cap is. And yeah, you're going to need an extension for him next year, next summer. And we, like, I mean, I, I was listing down the 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 forwards who were on, like, Quick, Jonathan Quick is signed. 2023. That's how many years of the Kings goalie being better than yours? How many? 11, I think. Yeah, it was 11 11. years of their goaltending being better than yours. (laughs) And, you know, 5.8 for Jonathan Quick, that's not terrible. I mean, I know there's debate over is this guy a great goaltender or is he a good goaltender in a great system? But, you know, 5.8 for a, a, you know, a a starting goaltender that you can, if he stays healthy, drop in for 60 games. That's, that's not bad. But he's 31. He's 31, and he's missed four months with a groin. Yeah. He's missed time with a back. Like That's not going to get better. Is it? Like That contract's not going to age well. That's going to be a yeah. Dustin Brown contract probably in a couple of years. It could be. Uh, Dino. Dino. Dino reward in two, two postseason runs with, with lifetime contracts. At the end of the day, like you know, as I'm sitting here as a Leafs fan. You give me two Stanley Cups in three years, then you can give me as many bad contracts as you want. Like I'll, I, I, I mean, I, I hope there's no Kings fans who are sitting there, you know, that this is... Oh, I wish they hadn't done this or that, and you know Dean Lombardi is the wrong guy. Like, you, you, you got to where you wanted to get, but now you're paying the price for it. And yeah, I, I mean, like I, I sent that to you as one of the topics we could discuss. How do you fix the Kings? And and then I looked at it and I'm like, I don't. Yeah, like, like you basically comes up for something because I don't, I don't really have anything. What you have to do for next year is just hope guys like Gabrick and. You know, Kopitar. Like you can, I I feel like you can kind of safely bet on Kopi to have a bounce back year. But I mean, Dustin Brown is going to be Dustin Brown for the rest of that contract. The, the thing, you, the thing that should terrify you is if Jeff Carter hits the wall. He's going to be thirty three next year. Like at yeah. some point, he's going to stop scoring thirty goals a year. Then what do you do? Like he's your he he makes up a thirty year offense. Like once he stops playing, so I think at this point you're just hoping that next year you get a full season at Defoli, a full season at Pearson. They still have their top three defensemen are very good. John Quick or whoever they have back there is probably going to stop ninety-two percent of their shots overall. So you just you just got to have to roll the dice that Gabrick bounces yes. back and Dustin Brown isn't isn't an anchor around the neck of his other two line mates and kind of hope it works out from hope there. For the best and then hope. even that, I mean you're sitting there. Meanwhile, like Edmonton's blown by you, Calgary is kind of blown by you. You know, San Jose and Anaheim are both probably on a downwards trajectory but uh yeah i i mean the days of being the team to beat in the pacific uh might be a while before we see that again if you can build a rebellion on hope you can build a 2017-18 hockey season on hope that's that's what george lucas taught me oh god what else is there what else is going on what else is going on in the world today let's let's do another Let's jump conferences, go to the East, do another yes. big market, because just like the NHL, we only care about the big markets. Uh, Sydney Crosby. Rangers. Oh, Rangers. The Rangers. Rangers. You're like your hometown team. My hometown team. From the most famous arena in the world, where they can't win anymore. What's up with that? Here's the thing about not being able to win hockey games, is it usually happens when you're not that good of a team, and you're just kind of like getting by on high shooting percentages lucky goaltending runs i think they're oh five and two in your last seven home here's the thing about the here's the thing about the rangers sean they're 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 not that good they're good but they're not that good and i think they're just kind of like to me like home win streaks road win streaks home power plays road power plays like it, it's all just I, I think it's just a matter of 
this just happens to happen in these certain situations. Like, I don't think they're a great road team. I don't think they're a bad home team. This is just kind of who they are. And the problem is that when your second best defenseman is Brendan Smith, come playoff time especially, and down the stretch when you're playing good teams, you're not going to win a lot more games than you're going to lose, if at all. So, you know, you kind of saw it last night where the – they weren't giving up a ton of shots, but they the, the chances they were giving up were were again like they usually give up a lot of chances from grade A areas and come playoff time. The weird thing about the Rangers is is that I don't think they're going to beat Montreal. They could, but if they beat Montreal, they're going to go to the conference finals because I think they're going to beat Ottawa or Boston or Toronto or whoever the second round team is. But they're just they're in this weird spot where they're 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 pulling off the most in my mind the most perfectly executed tank of all time because. If they finish in the three spot, they would probably lose to Columbus. They would definitely lose to Pittsburgh. And by having Henrik Lundqvist have a hip injury for three weeks and having this defense that just can't stop good teams, they sink to that perfect wild card spot. And now, who knows? You get in the playoffs, they, 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 their speed could be a problem for Montreal. They can get past. They can get past the second round. And who knows? Maybe by the time they get the, the, the conference finals, it'll be Columbus instead of somebody else. Hockey's well, and, hockey's ninety percent luck. Like I, 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 and yeah, like I don't like. You know, people say, "Well, you know, the Atlantic. Uh, even if you win the Atlantic, you're gonna you got to play Pittsburgh. You're gonna play Pittsburgh or Washington. That's just gone through two really tough series. Who knows what that looks like by then? So I'm kind of yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Like at this point, I think the Rangers are locked into that spot, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like it can't be easy to have ten games left in the season and already know exactly where you're gonna finish. So and, and yeah, I mean. Henrik Lundqvist's been out, apparently could have come back this week maybe, but they're holding off for, for a couple more days. Um, uh, maybe we shouldn't judge too harshly, but I do find it, I, I, I got to say, I find it ironic that a team whose fans have spent like the last two months complaining about the playoff format, robbing them of home ice advantage, <laughs> now suddenly never wins at home. Like, I feel like this is the hockey gods <laughs> basically going like, okay, enough. We got it. Shut up about the home ice. You will not win until you... You're not going to win another home game until your whole fan base can go 15 minutes without crying about the playoff. And the other thing, too, about the Rangers, they they, they went through that little stretch where they kind of got out-muscled by Montreal after the trade deadline because they got Dwight King and Steve Ott or whatever, and Columbus kind of pushed them around a little bit at home. And then Elaine Vigneault or somebody in the Rangers organization woke up and said, get me Tanner Glass. And people were like, um, I get it. He fights people and stuff, but he's 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 not good at hockey. And then, like, the next game, he scored. He had a goal and an assist in Tampa, I think it was, or somewhere in Florida maybe. It was Florida. And, and people were like, yeah, Tanner Glass, baby. If your coach is sitting down and telling you Tanner Glass is a better option than Pavel Buchnevich, that's a problem because Pavel Buchnevich is a better option than Tanner Glass. He's a better option than Jimmy Vc at this point. And if you're not putting the right guys into your lineup when you're this, you know, when your margin for error is super thin, you're, you're going to lose to the really good teams. And I think that's that's what's going to happen to them in the playoffs. Probably. I love NHL. Like every NHL team has that one young kid who should be playing, mm-hmm. and they've just for whatever reason decided they're just going to make him suffer and and wait and. The, Josh Hosang is like that with the Islanders. I got to watch him last night yeah. for the first time. Like he can play. Like there's there's no reason why he should not have been playing for the Islanders since like November. Like he's he can skate, he can pass, he can make. Those plays. guys are always the classic late season <sighs> or playoffs. Like they just suddenly show up in the third game of the playoffs. It's like all right, get out there, and yeah. next thing you know, it's like oh, this guy's amazing. How come we haven't had him? And it's a poorly run sport, Sean. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like if you're if you're if you're playing in the NBA, you're playing in baseball like baseball they hold guys out the first two months because of like service time i guess but like in hockey it's nine games like in baseball it's like two months so they shut guys out for two i remember like evan longoria when he first came up they had him sit out for two months like the white Sox are going to do that with yohan moncada this year but in hockey they do the opposite you're like johnny gaudreau come come sign and play two games in april and then have the season end and that's one year of service time for you that's how that's how but like if your team is good and you have the guy already in your system and you're not trying to sign him out of college or whatever they don't i think mark stone was a guy like that for ottawa once they brought him they he just showed up for the playoffs in 2012 they were doing it with colin white right now and they won't he he (sighs) and, and they won't do it they won't bring him in to burn the one year so 
and well, it's Ottawa's, become this whole thing that's in Ottawa, Ottawa. So that's Ottawa. Ottawa refuses to. Yeah, it's the thing. They won't. They won't. They won't. They won't start that guy's service time, but they'll give Alex Burroughs two more years when he's thirty-eight years old. But by the way, I just not, not to double back, but since we mentioned Ottawa and and sort of by implication the ownership, did you did you hear Eugene Melnick's quote about the Olympics? He is he is the dumbest billionaire I've ever I've ever I can't believe he's first of all it's I thought I can't believe he said it I can't believe that's like a thing that would I I kind of wish it would happen now like I I want the Olympics yeah. I want them to not send their players and have Eugene Mel like have a super awesome Canadian dude like like say if like Mike Hoffman's Canadian right I feel like he's Canadian imagine if he was on the team they were like go go play I don't care if the rest of the NHL guys go and then Eric Carlson was like all right I'm gonna go to no sorry no. buddy you're not helping Sweden. <sighs> yeah. So he, yeah. To just if if people didn't hear it, he was talking about the Olympics. First of all, he was explaining why he doesn't want to let players go to the Olympics. So he's already on the on the wrong side of this. But at, to defend him a little bit, if there's any team in the league that I think can maybe get a pass on hating the Olympics, it might be the Senators because they did have 2006. They had a real, real good team. They had Dominic Hasek in net, and he goes to the Olympics and gets hurt. And they have to run with Ray Emery, and they they end up going out in the second round. So I, I can kind of get why there might be some lingering bad feelings. And that was the point he was making. They asked him, "Would you let Eric Carlson go to the Olympics if if the NHL doesn't go, but Eric Carlson pulls an Alexander Ovechkin and says, I I really want to go play for my country. Would you let him go?" And Melnick basically said, "No, I wouldn't because if what if he gets hurt? That's you know what does that do for our fans, for our franchise?" Which is a fair point. But then he goes and says, you know. If he was Canadian, maybe I would let him go, but not if he's going to go play for Sweden and maybe beat Team Canada. It's just like, right? How how did that thought inhabit your head and then make it past the filter to be vocalized out loud? I enjoy Eugene Melnick. Like I understand if you're like like like, like say it was the other way. Say it was like well. I don't want to send like say if you had like Andre Kopitar who's like super awesome but he plays for a team that's not going to medal. I don't want to send Kopitar because you know if he gets hurt playing for Slovenia like what's the point of that? Like Slovenia maybe wins a game in its group or whatever and that that's not worth it. So I'm not going to send him but I'll send Carlson. I'll send whatever super awesome Canadian guy happens to be on Ottawa say in a fictional world. All right. Fine, I get it. I get the logic there, but just like, nope, I want Canada to win gold, so I'm going to keep my Swede there. Well, then why don't you send them all? Well, you, you know, there's a way to do this. If you actually send the guys to the Olympics, you'll you'll probably still win gold anyway. Because seriously, Canada. yeah, that's that's it. You can't be like, yeah, I really want Canada to win, but I don't want the players to go. I want them to have to send like their <laughs> collegiate all star team. But it was just one of those things. Like you could almost see in his mind, like there was part of him that was like. Oh, I'm going to throw this in there. This will this will play well in Canada. This will make the fans happy, and not so much. I I don't know. I, you, God bless God bless any like individual owner, like just some rich dude who owns a team and is like, this is my team, and I get to talk about him. I've I've been a Leafs fan for so long. I've had so many committees and pension plans and all this stuff. Give me one guy. Who's just like, no, screw you! It's my team. I'm going to go on TV and talk about them and say something crazy. But like they, they're never like like Mark Cuban's probably the NBA guy who does that. Like he's at least he's kind of a dope, but like I feel like he occasionally has some smart takes. Like I I never hear an NHL owner talk and go, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was that was smart. Yeah, I, I get why you're a it's, billionaire. It's not like it's no coincidence that like when you look at NBA owners, like Mark Cuban is not an NHL owner, but Jimmy Dolan is. <laughs> Jim Dolan. Like, that's what I mean. Like, every, anytime, I, I, I'll never forgive myself for this. I might have told this story already, but it was 2011 12 when the Rangers got good for the first time and they were in the running for the President's Trophy and they were just killing teams. And I never skipped Tortorella's post game press conference because it was Tortorella. Like, he might say something insane. And for whatever reason, after this game, I was like, I got all the quotes I need. I, I'll get, if, if Tort says something interesting, I'll get it off the quote sheet. I'm not going to do it. And you're, I was sitting there up in the press room. Like writing my story, your earphones in, transcribing, and they would pipe in the, the post game press conference into the into the press room at this time. So you hear like you know you hear like the door closed to like Tortorella walking in the room, and you hear like the microphone kind of get adjusted. You can hear all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you hear this like slurred speech going into the microphone, and I'm like, what the hell is what what's going on? And like you hear like this guy bragging about how good the Rangers are and how they're going to bring a cup. 
and I didn't know who it was at the time. I'm like, what did they just let some like drunken like Russian reporter get up there or something like that? Like, what the hell's going on here? And then they found out it was it was Jim Dolan, and everyone came upstairs with their Jim Dolan quotes, and I'm like, oh, my boss is gonna kill me. But then I realized I work for the NHL, and they wouldn't use those quotes anyway, so I was probably fine. not. No, oh, man. See, yeah, it, get. I like these man. Give me a crazy owner, or an owner, you know, even just temporarily crazy. I'll take that over like the Maple Leafs being owned by billion dollar conglomerates and they can't fire their coach until the board has had a chance to meet and ah well speaking of crazy because <laughs> we got about 10 minutes left and i don't i i do want to hit on this because there's a big anniversary coming up on this weekend uh just just to remind if anyone's forgotten their their anniversary this you still have time to go out and get a gift because sunday is 20 years since the Red Wings Avalanche brawl at the Joe Louis Arena. I, I realize I realized when you said this in the email, I didn't check. Is, is this is this the the Chris Osgood brawl? This is or the is Patrick Waugh Mike Vernon Mike brawl. Vernon brawl. Yeah. So this sure. is the this is the first time after the Claude Lemieux hit that it really blows up. The fourth mm. game after the Claude Lemieux hit in the playoffs, but the first one that really blows up, and Darren McCarty just absolutely brutalizes Claude Lemieux. Patrick Watt charges out. Brendan Shanahan charges at him. They leap at each other in midair. Uh, Vernon comes out. Adam Foote's involved. Like, all this stuff. Probably, I would argue, the most the most famous line brawl in NHL history, I would say. Maybe, just, maybe the most famous fight-slash-brawl, period. It's like the last great one that we've had right like there hasn't been one since where you were like there certainly hasn't been a rivalry since i mean maybe maybe the one from 98 with with osgood where walk you know yeah because he wants his rematch that might be up there and and there i mean there have been other like the flyers and senators and a few others like that but this this was like the the yeah this was kind of i won't say this was the end of the era but this was the last great moment of the end of an era in terms of how how hockey was played and what NHL hockey was and and what guys were expected to do and like I, I I wrote a whole big piece on it for for Sportsnet and like one of the things that really strikes you is like I I find like you and I are you know we're similar age we've both been hockey fans our whole lives most of my friends have been hockey fans my whole life and and you know that sort of thing but like there's people out there who are new fans they're either young you know like they're there's people out there, they're kids, there's teenagers, there's people who just became fans a few years ago. And this must all seem so strange to them, how celebrated and how enthusiastic everybody is about that Red Wings avalanche brawl. Because if that same thing happened today, people would lose their minds. Like if, if but, somebody but did what Darren McCarty did in that game, like we would have to shut the league down for three weeks and just give everyone a big timeout. And and the, the the heat from the think pieces would be unbearable. And yet at the time, like everybody everybody watched like we watched Darren McCarty flat out assault Claude Lemieux. Like you know, if 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 you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, it like I'll refresh your memory. It's like he doesn't drop the gloves and fight Claude Lemieux. He sucker punches Claude Lemieux, pummels him when he's down. Bounces his face off the ice, drags him over to the boards, and then gives him a few knee lifts after the linesmen jump in. <laughs> it's like the most brutal. And at the time, everybody was just like, yep, that's that's what he had coming. That's Darren McCarty doing his... Like, there was no suspensions. There was no nothing. Everybody was just like, yeah, that's hockey. That's Darren McCarty's job right there. It was also because nobody liked Claude Lemieux. Everybody liked Chris Draper. Like it, there was, there was, there was like, it, it was like, it's, it was like justice in, on the ice, like total hockey on ice justice, but even for yeah. fans, like fans were like, yeah, you know, club yeah, it was, it was very clear. Like there was a clear, like clear bad guy, clear villain. But yeah, I mean, it, you compare that to, to not like, look at a, a couple of years ago when Sean Thornton did a lot less than that to Brooks Orpic and gets 15 games gets hauled out in front of the cameras to do the tearful I'm not that sort of player press conference. <laughs> and and you know and and the great thing is like well, I shouldn't say uh, depending on your perspective. The interesting thing is with McCarty, <laughs> like 
he like after the game like he was he couldn't have been more pleased with how that game went like he was th- <laughs> he was like, ah, that's great there was no remorse there was no uh you know i went over the line and and the other great thing about that uh that whole thing like we all remember the brawl itself and the two enduring images from that brawl is darren mccarty attacking claude lemieux just pummeling this guy who's turtling potentially concussed just hammering this guy and then patrick waugh sprinting out jumping into fights getting into a goal you know get all of this stuff but the thing you look at how did that game ended in overtime on the winning goal it's darren mccarty scoring the winning goal in overtime against patrick waugh and you're like wait a second they were both still in the game <laughs> yeah they were and this is this is my favorite underrated part like that entire line brawl the referee for that game was paul dvorsky this is back in the one referee day so paul dvorsky is the ref for that game do you know how many penalty minutes he gave out for that entire line brawl 22 minutes 22 minutes oh my right for everybody you nailed it right holy shit 22 minutes on the nose oh my god i was he guessing gave, keep in mind like the flyers and senators got 400 minutes for one good line brawl and a bunch of tickle fights in 2004 which to this day people act like that oh that was one of the great brawl no it wasn't that was one good fight and then like jason spezza and patrick sharp like grabbing each other and falling down and jason spezza and patrick sharp got 60 minutes combined for that one three second fight paul dvorsky gave 22 minutes for that entire brawl did not kick out Patrick Waugh, did not kick out Mike Vernon. Darren McCarty got four minutes. <laughs> Brandon Shanahan didn't get anything, even though he was involved in a fight, peeled away from the fight to dive bomb the other team's goalie, and then went and paired back. Like, it, it was just the most old-school refereeing performance. Like, there was no misconducts. There was no, like, I'm going to give you 10 just to send a message and, you know, set the tone. And, like, it was like, all right. You get a minor, you get a minor. Everybody put your, get goalies, get your mask back on. Like they stitched up Patrick Waugh's face and sent him right back out there. And and he played the rest of the game. Faced 45 shots. And it was 22 minutes? I wonder if I knew that and like minutes. that just like came out of my subconscious because I knew that. Yeah. Or this is a good sign that I'm going to Vegas tomorrow because I'm hot. I'm ready to gamble. I know stuff. 22 minutes baby all right we got a few we got, we got a few minutes left no one's over my shoulder yet here in the old uh, vice office but we can get a couple of questions and there's a couple of decent ones in here and this one uh jason horowitz wants to know if ovechkin's really starting to fade well can anyone else currently in the league score 50 anymore it's a good question because my immediate answer was stamkos but like if stamkos can't play more than 20 games he's not gonna score 50 yeah pa- patrick laney for sure can be a 50 goal scorer yeah that's true. Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, a lot has to go. I don't think there's anybody left that you're going to be like Ovechkin and just pencil him in for 50. I'd say Tarasenko, I could see scoring 50. Yeah, but he's never gotten there. And he's he's been doing this same sort of, I don't know if he's a 50-goal guy. He's a 40-goal guy. I could guy, see huh? him getting there. I, yeah, who, I mean. I think yeah. Line is the answer, yeah. Line, like Line is the guy that I would I would bet on. Austin, like Austin Matthews, yeah, it's you don't usually see a center get up there. I, I'd be... You know, I'd be surprised. Maybe, maybe once in his in his best year. But I mean, even Sidney, even Sidney Crosby doesn't doesn't score fifty goals often. So, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, like I, I, McDavid. I know right now is more of a more of a setup guy, but I wouldn't. I'm not ruling anything out on his ceiling. Other than that, I mean, at, at current rate, like Brad Marchand will get fifty next year, sixty the year after that, and break his <laughs> record. The and like each time we'll be like, all right, that's it. Now he's hit his seal. He's going to be 35 and cracking the 90 goal mark. Pablo Pablo Jesus. Uh, I think we kind of answered this, but he wants to. That's his name, Pablo Jesus. Maybe that's his, that, that. That could be his real name. Like I never want to assume anymore that like people's names on Twitter are like fake names that they do for Pablo. Could be Pablo Jesus. I don't know. Uh, but he wants to know: Is there any chance of a current non-playoff team in the West making the playoffs? Do you think the playoffs? teams in the west are set i yeah. kind of do i mean it's only only the kings at this point right that they're, yeah. they're the only team still in it and i don't no i i i'm i'm 99 off that bandwagon and uh one more maybe two more we'll just say one more for now we'll see we'll see how this goes um 
how would you feel? I assume oh, he says, "How would you two feel?" I don't care. How would you two feel about an Oiler Leaf Stanley Cup final? Would Canada burn to the ground? Like, what's what's the worst yeah. possible all all Canadian final for? Canada? I feel like Leafs Canucks would be the worst possible, but realistically, yeah, because because I and I think we we touched on this recently. Like, the Leafs are half this country loves the Leafs, half the country hates the Leafs. So that like nobody is. It's not like the Senators or somewhere where you're like. You know, a lot of people would be like, ah, I don't care. Like, most hockey fans up here have strong feelings on the Leafs one way or another. And the Oilers are a sneaky, easy team to hate. If they get that far. Like, right now, everyone likes the Oilers. But the Oilers are like, like, the Oilers are like that, like, loser kid from your high school that, you know, you never really liked, maybe you picked on, you know, they never had their stuff together. And then, like, you hear, like, oh, did you hear, like, yeah, they got a job at whatever. And, you know, like, good job now. And you're like, you know what? Good for them. Good. You know, he, you know, he had a tough time. I'm glad. I'm glad things are going better. And then like you find out later, like, yeah, he's the CEO now. And you're like, whoa, no, no way. That's, that's too much success. I was okay with wishing him a little bit, but that's way too much. This is, there's no way that guy deserves that. Like that's the Oilers. If they get like, everyone's going to love them in the first round. Second round will be fun. By the time they get to the conference final, it would be like, wait a second, you, they won a lottery. This is all Connor McDavid. They don't deserve this. And they go to the finals and they play the Leafs. It's going to be that that would be a train wreck. Because like I've said before, everybody in Canada wants their own team to win the Stanley Cup and break the drought. Nobody wants anyone else's team to do it. And to have two Canadian, like any Canadian team against an American team, 90% of Canada is secretly rooting for the American team. And if you put two Canadian teams in, it's it's going to be ugly. The one part of your metaphor that doesn't work, though, is if that guy becomes a CEO, it has to be after his dad gave him three other CEO jobs that he yes. failed in, and then he gets a fourth one, and then it's like, wow, this guy's a really great CEO. This guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. No, 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 no. He, he literally wins a lottery to, to get that job. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I, yeah, the, the, I think the one that I, I I don't want Montreal. I guess if Toronto's involved, that's still an original. Yeah. Montreal and Toronto are, are pretty. Everything I said for Toronto also applies for yeah for Montreal. Like if it like if if you ended up with like an Ottawa Calgary final, you know, okay, fine. I mean, that would half the country would either not care or be like, yeah, I could live with either of these until Brian Burke started talking. And then that like, well, you know what? Then you'd have Brian Burke versus Eugene Melnick on all the off days. That could be fun. I just don't want to hear original six too much, but really there's no, yeah. there's no, there's no two original six teams that can meet in the Stanley Cup final. They're Canadian. So I guess send Toronto, send Toronto to the cup final. Let's make Sean happy. Let's, 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 let's see, let's see if a Stanley Cup can, can make, make Sean cheery for the entire off season. Isn't that what I, we want? I get, like legitimately at least a couple of times a month somebody is genuinely concerned about what will happen to me if the leaves are ever good they're like are you are you still gonna like will you still be funny will you still oh yeah you could be like canadian bill simmons where like for years all his teams lost and then like all of a sudden his teams win like twice a year and like across all four sports maybe that'll be you with toronto like you'll suddenly become like the canadian sports guy where you're just like you know not funny anymore <laughs> I feel like there's already a Canadian sports writer who's kind of doing the doing that, but maybe we'll name names. All right, all right. Let's end it there. Let's let's say goodbye to episode twenty, and um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, go read our stuff on the internet and 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 share it and tell us you like it and do the same thing with the podcast and and uh, thanks again to Tim Barnes for sitting here and listening to hockey and producing, even though he doesn't like hockey or me or Sean, to be perfectly honest. And uh, yeah. That's all I got to say. Right on. Talk to everyone later. See ya. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.